0: Our guest tonight is one of the up-and-coming outstanding Chief Baseball Officers. He was groomed with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays and currently has been part of rebuilding the Boston Red Sox. Bloom brings intellect, collaboration, and understanding of how to build a roster and building relationships with a manager. Our guest, I'm Bloom. Welcome, friends. When you look in sports, there are only a few iconic franchises. And our guest today happens to be the chief baseball officer of the Boston Red Sox. I'm Bloom. i uh, your career. We've had a chance to intersect in different points. Talk about how, working with Tampa, had they helped ready you to move into the role that you're in today, being the Chief Baseball Officer of the Boston Red Sox. What was that training like?
1: First off, Jed, thanks for having me. Uh, Great to be on with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, my time with the Rays, I consider myself so fortunate to have grown up uh, in that organization, uh, getting there when I did and being a part of something really special for a long time. And you know, really what, what stands out to me is the culture, both in terms of how it drove our work on the field and how uh, it built connection and relationships within the front office. Uh, it really uh, started with ownership and being permitted to uh, try different things, not to be afraid to fail. Uh, to be willing uh, to take some chances if we thought that they made sense, if we thought that there were potential payoff on the other end, not to be afraid to challenge conventional wisdom when we thought that there might be a better way to do it. And most of all, the, the trust uh, that we built in each other, uh, being willing to uh, you know, assume positive intent of everybody around you, trust their work, and also being humble enough to learn from each other and recognize that none of us has the whole picture. We all might have a little piece of that picture, but if we're going to be really great, we have to be willing to learn from each other. We have to be willing to be wrong, uh, actually to be excited to be wrong so that we can get better. And when you have a whole organization doing that for each other, I think you have a chance to accomplish some really great things. And that was the environment the whole time I was there. It was tremendously helpful to me.
0: When you came in, you were in, as you look at baseball, it's divided into different sectors in terms of people in in the front office in baseball. I mean, you can be in scouting, international, and player development, analytics, uh, wellness, and uh, and the like. So explain how you came in and then how you broadened yourself.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, as I said, very fortunate, Uh, basically got into this industry through kind of a mix of persistence and luck. Uh, And one of the neat things when I started with the Rays was uh, it was such a small organization at the time. Uh, there were a lot of people who had been on board there from the beginning, many of whom were continued to be instrumental in success and are still there. Uh, but really, m- the experience that I got to have, although it was primarily focused in player development, really touched on all areas of the organization because we were so small, because there was so much work that needed to be done. Um, so you know, even though I came, you know, I came from a non-playing background. My playing career ended in little league, uh, and sort of a, a, a generalist uh, perspective. Uh, on the game with maybe a little bit of an analytical bend. Uh, But I got this grassroots education in the game of baseball through a lot of involvement in player development and scouting and really exposure to all aspects of the operation. And then as we grew, that kind of brought in naturally, where I became more involved in different aspects of the operation, major league side, international operations. And uh, obviously, as we evolved and grew, more and more people joined our group Uh, More and more people were empowered, but uh, I was always able to have a really broad view of the whole operation.
0: What do you think are the one or two things that really separate the Rays from everybody else in terms of what they really do well?
1: Well, like I said, I think it really starts with the culture and the people. That is the root to me of any lasting success you want to have in this business and probably in most businesses. Uh, You might be able to have success here or there without a strong culture, but it's really hard to sustain it. Um, and that's one thing that, you know, I think is really the foundation uh, for everything else. But, you know, I think a lot of it is just a willingness to, uh, to really focus on at the end of the day, what matters, what is going to drive success on the field and not to worry about noise or narrative that may get in the way of that, uh, to be willing to ask questions and, and follow the evidence wherever it leads. And as I said, the trust and belief. Uh, to support each other through following those things and to be willing to question things.
0: What do you, When you say that, what do you think are the one or two things that you did uh, in the or that the organization did that were unique and that really went against uh, traditional thinking?
1: There are a lot of different things over time, I think, but the one that, you know, I, I think probably a lot of people would most readily point to was some of the different things we were doing with pitchers uh, starting a few years ago that now you see a lot more prominent within the game. And I should point out that different ways of pitcher usage are by no means something that the Rays invented. We've seen these here and there throughout baseball history. But, you know, I think we kind of lean into them a little, little harder than, than most clubs were doing, most prominently with the opener strategy, but just different ways of uh, thinking about pitcher roles and deploying them. And really what it came back to was, you know, I think just looking at the strengths and weaknesses of our players and being willing to put them in a position to succeed and not to shoehorn them into one way of doing things that was the traditional way that may or may not have suited their strengths, just to strip away, uh, you know, that that uh, tradition and say, what's the best way to win as many games as we can? with the strengths of the guys that we have and to follow that where it led us. Now, with that, in order to do it successfully, you need a lot of trust and a lot of communication. What I think is lost in the shuffle here because people focus so much on the roles is how much interaction and communication it required from our coaching staff to our players to build that trust and to have them understand what we were doing and why. Because anytime you want to try something a little different, you're going to create some discomfort. And if you want to... Get people on board, you need to have real relationships and you need to be willing to put in the work to communicate exactly what's going on. And even though the idea itself was very interesting, the implementation and the trust and communication uh, that was required for that, and we got from our coaching staff, I think was key in making that work and making it work as smoothly as it did.
0: You go into Boston and you inherit a payroll of $240 million. And And you come from an organization that has figured out a way to do things differently, as it relates to the amount of money you spend and not paying a luxury tax or whatever. talk about your vision. I mean that the first year was a little rough this past year. you're just you're a game short of getting of making it all happen. So you've built this vision. so talk about you know you had skeptics. you had people say, "Hey, you can't do it." Yet you, you were convicted and you had people around you. So how did how'd you get them to buy in?
1: Yeah, well, uh, skeptics come with the territory in, in a place like this. Uh, it's part of what makes it great is people are so passionate about this club. And when that happens, you're going to have a lot of strong opinions. So just rewinding to when I got here, the way I viewed it and, and viewed it this way as an opponent when I was with the Rays. You know, I saw the Red Sox at the time that I arrived here as a really talented team still you know, a year removed from a world championship, but having gotten to a point where we were in my mind, and I think clearly, if you look at the standings behind a couple of our division rivals right now, and I think the further you look out, unquestionably less well set up for the future Uh, and basically paying some of the price for uh, the chips that were pushed in to win that championship. Given that, I think the, the longer you wait to pivot, the longer you wait to start thinking more long-term, the more painful it is going to be, uh, just given where we were set up. So I thought we needed to start thinking more long-term. And really what it was about at the end of the day was getting to a point where we could compete for a championship every year, where we had an elite team and that we could, year in, year out, uh, give our fans a real shot at a World Series. Now... You know, This year, obviously, we were able to do that. I think there's still a lot more work that needs to be done to feel like we're really on that footing every year. But it really started with just thinking more long term and trying to respect the talent of the roster that we have and do everything we could to win in the present. But make sure that we're never uh, leaving our fans high and dry, that we're doing everything we can to position ourselves that every year we have a real shot at the championship.
0: You also have done a really good job of, of adding players around the edges. How how do you think about that in terms of, I mean, you didn't make big moves to sign free agents at the time some people thought you should and might have been criticized, but you stuck to your plan and it's it's obviously has paid off.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, two things on that that are important. You know, one of them, you know, certainly. there's no i have no philosophical opposition to making bigger splashier moves i just don't want to do them for the sake of making the splash i want to do them because they fit what we're trying to accomplish and they make sense um so you know it was really more about again trying to value the substance uh over uh over that splash and you know go for what's going to help us win the most and not necessarily what the shiniest object is now with that came the importance of depth and this is something you asked about Things that the Rays excel at, I think this is one thing that the Rays uh, really, for most of the time that I was there, and and has uh, continued after I left, really excel at. Uh, we know, you know, this year we we get two wins from the World Series. We use fifty six players. Uh, that's not atypical nowadays. So it goes well beyond. Uh, your 26-man, even your 40-man roster, and certainly well beyond the frontline players on your team. You need a lot of contributors to get where you want to go. If we rewind a couple of years, my last year with the Rays, the year before I got here, uh, the Yankees won the division. The Rays finished second, and the Red Sox finished a distant third. And really, uh, if you look at it, that year, all three teams had a lot of injury issues. All three teams lost players. The teams finished in the order of their depth. The Yankees' depth that year was outstanding. They got so many contributions from all corners of their roster. We did, too, when I was with the Rays. And the Red Sox didn't get as many contributions there. And clearly, that was an area that we needed to shore up. And you know, those, those moves around the edges can sometimes pay big dividends, not just because those players are going to be called upon to contribute, but because you put yourself in position to realize the benefits of a lot of positive surprises, uh, the more interesting players that you're able to acquire.
0: You've done an unbelievable, unbelievable job of building a relationship with Alex Cora. Now, that was you know, obviously the, when you came in, there were issues regarding what happened in Houston and banging the cans and all that, but you decided that he was the right person and you've built this incredible relationship. First of all, how do you make that decision to bring him back? And then how have you built this incredible relationship? Because he's got to buy into your vision
1: you know alex is alex i mean who alex is as a baseball man is well documented well known he's also been incredible to work with but going back to your first question and then i'll i'll get to the second one um you know i think there was this thought out there that you know because obviously alex had been here and had so much success that this was really all about what had happened in houston and if you viewed it as disqualifying then it was disqualifying and if not uh, then there's really no need for a process. He's clearly the guy. I viewed uh, the, the, the task differently, that basically, whether we asked for it or not, we didn't, we had this opening. And the job was to look ahead, to look forward and say, who is the best manager for the Boston Red Sox? Uh, not just now and not just tomorrow, but for the long haul. Because I think anytime you're putting a leader of that importance in place, you want it to be lasting. Uh, So that's how I viewed the task. And when it came to Alex, obviously, we had to think through and fully understand what had happened uh, in Houston. But as with any candidate, it was important to look at the person in full, all their strengths, all their weaknesses, uh, everything that they bring to the table. Because when you hire someone for a position like this, you are getting everything that they are. And you're going to be working really closely with them. So you better know them inside and out as much as you can. And so that was my aim with him and with everybody that we interviewed to try to understand them fully and then make the best decision for the organization. At the end of the day, I felt that was him. And, you know, we had gotten to know each other a little bit uh, before he left uh, early in 2020. But really, it was the first few months on the job for me. It was so hectic. We really were just starting to get to know each other when the Houston report came out uh, and he left. So uh, that was really starting over in a sense, you know, when he, when he rejoined and when he came to the, to the job. One of the things that I liked the most about working with him, besides, you know, his incredible abilities as a leader, as a motivator, how observant he is about the game, is just his passion. He loves the game of baseball and it's really, really fun to work with somebody who is so invested in this game as he is uh, because, you know, that's how we operate here in the front office. And you really feel like you have a partner in that, like, you know, you are shoulder to shoulder with someone uh, who really wants this project to succeed and really wants this to work. He cares about the organization, understands this market, understands our fans, and he's able to create an environment where players can succeed in a really exciting, but also a really, a, a really noisy atmosphere.
0: Oh, that's, that's fun. How about the second question?
1: You know, a lot of it, there's no shortcuts, right? Some of it just takes time yep. um, and a lot of interaction. Uh, and this game will provide that, believe me, between uh, anybody in my chair and, and any field manager, you are going to be with each other a lot. And I think a big part of this relationship, it needs to be something where, either one of us can close the door and vent and share things and share sides of ourselves that, you know, we may not be able to show to everybody else in the organization that we certainly may not be able to show to the media or the public. Uh, there needs to be that kind of trust. And the only way to build that is to go through season together and do it. And and we certainly both did. We had amazing conversation, bounce things off each other. Uh, there are times when, uh, you know, we needed to, each of us, make make observations that might help the other. There are times when you need to pick somebody up. There are times when you need to be that listening ear uh, to help someone get something off their chest or work through some issue that they're dealing with. And going through uh, the marathon of the season and doing that for each other has been incredible for me. I mean, there's no substitute for the time and the interaction in terms of getting to know somebody and building a really meaningful relationship. And it was part of what made what we did at the end so joyous.
0: Well, you also had an unbelievable COVID experience, one that almost derailed you. I mean, how did you? I mean, how did you manage that? You talked about having depth. I mean, that must have uh, somehow played a role in terms of. what what occurred, because it was unfathomable what happened to your roster.
1: Yeah, that was the ultimate test of our depth. And even aside from the baseball implications, just a really difficult challenge to go through on a personal level, you know, as someone who's responsible for the department, responsible for the baseball side of the organization, on a very basic level, when you have a serious illness going through your clubhouse, and you're limited in how much you can keep it from spreading, uh, given that we had to every day it's not a good feeling as a leader it's not a good feeling as as the person responsible knowing that there is some kind of danger not just to your competitive standing but potentially to your your people's health that you're uh, ultimately you don't have full power to stop uh, so emotionally that was challenging but you know this is where i think it becomes very important to take stock of what's going on what you can control what you can't and you know remain centered and stable and try to deal with it the best you can. And there's so much conversation that, that, you know, comes into play. And I think Alex in particular was instrumental in uh, getting the group to a point where while understanding that this was not ideal, there was a job to do. And I think the silver lining of what we went through, our season had a lot of ups and downs. The silver lining of what we went through was that it really pushed our group to a place where we had to develop the ultimate next man up mentality, right? we, we were losing players uh, to the COVID I.L. on a daily basis, and you didn't know who was next. Uh, fortunately, uh, everyone that we lost was able to make a, you know a complete recovery. But at the time, you don't know exactly who's next or how long they're going to be out, how sick they're going to get. And we had to get to a point where whoever was available for that day's game we still had to get after that game and try to win it just as hard as we would if we were at full strength. And I think that paid dividends for us. You look at the end of the season, we're going into a winner take all wildcard game. And the last day of the regular season, JD Martinez rolls his ankle on second base. Uh, This is one of our best players and he is unavailable for the wildcard game. Now that's big news and it was big news, but I think within our clubhouse, nobody blinked because we had been through much worse. And so although we uh, did not ask for that COVID outbreak. It's not something I ever want to live through again. Something I would wish on anybody. Uh, I do think it brought out some resilience in our group that served us well down the stretch.
0: When you think about the way Tamper was structured and the way you're structured, one of the things I, I, I've looked at in my work with with different organizations is alignment. The alignment between ownership, you know, the front office, uh, the manager where do you think that fits in the equation to be successful?
1: It's huge. You know, I I think you're spot on in identifying that as, as so important in a successful organization. And earlier when we were talking about uh, you know, the vision here and you asked me how I saw this coming in and the support I've gotten, uh, none of this would be possible unless you're aligned with your owners and everybody's on the same page as far as where you are, what you're trying to get to and how you get there. Uh, And a lot of, my responsibility and our responsibility in terms of our department leadership is to make sure that our staff understand the mission and understand you know the principles uh, that we're going to be leaning on to try to carry out that mission now everybody that works here has subject matter expertise that i don't have that's why we have them in the jobs that we have them so we're not trying to uh override or replace that subject matter expertise but we want to make sure they understand what are we trying to do this what how do we want people to go about their business? And if you have that top to bottom, you can accomplish some really great things. If you don't, you're constantly going to be tripping over yourself. Uh, It's really important uh, and it's a big challenge and by no means something that I think I'm perfect at. I I challenge myself on this every day to make sure that people understand what we're trying to accomplish, why and how in terms of principles do we want to go about our business.
0: As, As I have interacted with you through the years, and to see the way you've matured and taken on this leadership role, and the success you're having—I mean, it's a tribute to how hard you worked, uh, the questions you asked, and how you you pushed yourself to get to this. And the, the thing that I found about you is that you're always looking for improvement, never satisfied, always looking to try to push the needle and push yourself in, in a way that, as you described, the culture in Tampa—that is collaborative, uh, not directive—but people feel engaged. So I, I mean. Just how you've done that—it's uh, just fun to watch you and 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 have a chance to interact with you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. And you've known me now for a long time, and uh, you know that's something I think is just so instrumental in our business. You—if you, you stand still, it doesn't matter if you are the best; you will eventually be passed because we're just we're in a competitive business. That's the nature of sports. Uh, so I, I think it's really important, and it's something that I try to model for the people around me. Uh, but, you know, when you when you talk about growing through those experiences, two things to me come to mind. One is, you know, I try to grow through every experience that I have. Uh, sometimes, you know, as I mentioned with in those years with the Rays in 18 and 19, doing some different things and having success with it, you get to grow through success. Other times you grow through failure, or you grow through and you learn what you can take from it and how you can move forward. And, you know, you have those moments where you look in the mirror and you ask yourself how you can get better. But big part of it, and, you know, you've been a part of this, too, is growing and thriving because of the people around you and trying to take something from the people you meet, from the people, uh, you know, that, that show you the way. Uh, and that's so important to me. Um, anybody, I think, in these positions who thinks that they're here uh, because of themselves is missing a, a piece of the puzzle we all work hard and I'm proud of the work that I put in proud of my experiences. But if we're being realistic, uh, you can't get, you can't get to one of these places alone. You can't have success alone. And there's so many people that I think of, whether it's through a brief interaction or through a longstanding relationship that I owe so much to in terms of helping me learn and helping me grow uh, to be able, hopefully to, to, uh, to help other people.
0: Well, again, I appreciate you coming on with our guests sharing your experiences and the It's been a pleasure. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Jed.